The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. So tonight's passage is about Jesus doing unexpected things that really contradict the norms of his culture, gender, social standing, and even religion. Uh, but before we dive in, I'm just going to do a quick prayer for the night. Um, Jesus, I just thank you so much for this opportunity I have uh, to come back to the inn, a place that's like home for me, and just share what I've learned about you. I pray that um, whatever I say would just resonate, um, and whatever comes from you would stick, and whatever doesn't will just, you know, be forgotten or whatever. Uh, but I just ask, um, thank you that you're already here with us, and that we just get to learn more about you tonight. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, so tonight we're walking through John chapter 4, which is actually a big chunk of verses. Uh, So shout out to senior staff for handing that to me tonight. Uh, And in the first batch of verses that we'll look at, we're really given the context of Jesus' situation. Uh, And I'm a huge fan of context, so... uh, And I'm a huge fan of the message version. And so I'm going to read it from that. So John 4, 1 through 3 explains... Jesus realized that the Pharisees were keeping count of the baptisms that he and John performed, although his disciples, not Jesus, did the actual baptizing. They had posted the score that Jesus was ahead, turning him and John into rivals in the eyes of the people. So Jesus left the Judean countryside and went back to Galilee. Okay, so quick backstory. The Pharisees were a group of elite religious leaders in the Jewish culture. They were like the top dogs, the most educated, and they were seen as the only people who could interpret the Old Testament law. They set the rules for the Jewish people, and they really thrived off that power that it gave them. Um, And it's also uh, important to know that they really cared about keeping separation between themselves and the other layers of Jewish culture, um, and keeping the Jewish um, religion separated from all the other people around them. And that's also why they really hated and were starting this drama with Jesus, because he came in and just wanted to break down all the walls that they worked hard to build up. Uh, and I think it's kind of fascinating how Jesus responds to this, these rumors and this bad publicity, because he just leaves and heads north. So reading on, John 4, verse 4 and 5. To get to Galilee, he had to pass through Samaria. He came into Sychar, a Samaritan village that bordered the field that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was still there. Okay, quick note. So the phrase, uh, oh wait, you can go back, yeah, right there. Uh, That he had to pass through Samaria uh, is really interesting because it makes it sound like that's the only way to get to Galilee. But... There were two ways that you could get there. Uh, Now we can look at the map. Okay, so this is where Jesus is right now. And that's Galilee, where he's going. And if you see right here, this is, so like if he's at Jerusalem, he's going straight through. So that makes sense, right? But uh, the other way that he could have gone was through Jericho and like all around in this hot Middle Eastern desert. So it really makes sense that he would go through Sychar, right? Uh, I read that walking through Samaria would take three days, while walking all the way around would take seven days. And what's also really crazy that I learned is that 
the majority of the Jewish population chose to walk through Jericho, um, through the desert, just to avoid the area of Samaria. It was considered the only way to travel across the country. Um, and that's because Sikar is a Samarian village, a Samaritan village. Uh, and the Jews hated anything that had to do with the Samaritans. The feeling was both ways. And I, I never really understood why the Samaritans and the Jews never got along. I just knew that was a thing, but I never knew why. And I learned that about 550 years before this story of Jesus, the Jewish kingdom had been conquered by this Assyrians, which were a group of people from Assyria. And all the Jewish people were sold into slavery for 70 years. Eventually, they were allowed to return back to um, the country, but the people who had been living there and already inhabited it were called the Samaritans, and they were not happy about the Jews coming back. The Jewish people saw the Samaritans as half-breed Jews. They were considered socially inferior, vile, and racial outcasts. They worshipped different gods than Jews and had multiple marriages, and in the eyes of the Jews, Jewish people, they embodied everything that was wrong with the world. And I learned that in Jewish culture, any physical contact with the Samaritan would make you ceremonially unclean, and you'd have to go through this cleansing process just to become clean again. So Jews would walk five miles outside of the land of Samaria just to avoid potentially becoming unclean. And there were literally 500 years of racial, cultural, and religious prejudice that had been built up between these two nations. And so it's really incredible that Jesus just decided to cut right through it. Every translation that I read of this chapter uses the same phrase, Jesus had to walk through Samaria. And I thought it was really interesting that none of the translations said that he chose to walk through Samaria. Um, so I looked up what this phrase meant. And in the Greek word that's used here is actually dei, D-E-I, which refers to what is not optional, but what's necessary. And it's like an action that must occur. So it's important to grasp that in Jesus' eyes, he didn't choose to go through Samaria. He needed to. And we learn the reason why right here. John 4, 6 through 9 says, Jesus, worn out by the trip, sat down at the well. It was noon. A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water. Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? His disciples had gone to the village to buy food for lunch. The Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, How come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. Jesus answered, If you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you fresh, living water. And then the conversation goes on, and she's confused because she sees that Jesus doesn't actually have a bucket to grab water with. And he then explains that whoever has drinks from the water that he has will never be thirsty again because it's an overflowing fountain of endless life, which sounds pretty amazing, right? So she's like, OMG, give me that now. Um, but then Jesus responds and says, next one, go call your husband and then come back. I have no husband, she said. That's nicely put, I have no husband. You've had five husbands, and the man that you're living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke the truth there, sure enough. Um, and this is like kind of weird, because this woman is the reason that he traveled through Samaria. 
that she's the reason that he's here. And we just learned a lot about who she really is in these verses. Uh, first off, the Bible notes that it's noon, which is the absolute heat of the day. We kind of all know that. And scholars tell us that it's really weird. It's a really weird time of day to be drawing water. Women would only get water in the cool of the morning in the evening, um, or in, yeah, in the morning, not in the middle of the afternoon. And the fact that this woman came to the well in the afternoon meant one of two things. What, first, she could be there avoiding other women who would come to the well in the morning or evening. We've learned that she's had five husbands and is shacking with a dude that she's not married, which is really socially scandalous. And maybe the other women are rude to her because of that reputation. They might whisper as she walked by or throw dirty looks her way or roll their eyes when she even comes to the well. I also learned that it's possible that she's there because she might be thirsty for something else. Some theologians say that this woman may have been a prostitute, and that was the reason why she was at the well during the middle of the day. In any case, this woman is not a respectable person, let alone someone that Jesus, a Jewish man, should be talking to. Um, and there's so many reasons why he shouldn't even be interacting with this person. The first reason is that she's a woman, uh, and as a male teacher, he would have had no business talking to her. Second, she's a woman of poor reputation. She's known as unclean, a failure, and she's been used and abused by men multiple times. And lastly, she's a Samaritan, which we already know is a huge reason Jesus shouldn't even be in this area. And the woman is aware of all of these reasons, too. Verse 9 says that she's taken aback that Jesus would even talk to her. She says, why would you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, to give you water? It's shocking for her. And it's shocking because when she looks at Jesus, she sees a Jewish man and the hundreds of years of tension and hatred that's been built between their two cultures. But what's amazing is that when Jesus looks at the woman, he sees her. He sees all her pain and her hope, and he makes her feel known. Did you notice that in these verses, Jesus doesn't even acknowledge her question about their differences? He just cuts right to what's going on in her heart. She's yearning to be loved in a way that the world hasn't given her. And Jesus finally provides her with that and makes her feel known. There's a powerful spoken word about this parable that you guys should all listen to sometime. Um, it says, to be known is to be loved and to be loved is to be known. And through this one personal conversation, Jesus makes this woman feel loved, and this changes her. The woman goes back, uh, we read, to her town, and in verse 29, it says, um, many Samaritans from that, from that village committed themselves to him, Jesus, because of the woman's witness. He knew all about the things I did. He knows me inside and out. They asked him to stay on, so Jesus stayed two days. A lot more people entrusted their lives to him when they heard what he had to say. They said to the woman, we're no longer taking this just on your say-so. We've heard it from their ourselves and know it for sure. He's the savior of the world. Um, and like, I'll just read my favorite part about this again. It says, many of the Samaritans from that village committed themselves to him because of the woman's witness. And so guys, this is the first evangelist, and she's a freaking woman, which is awesome. And not only is she just any woman, she's an outcasted Samaritan woman. And that's like unheard of. 
There's no doubt in my mind that Jesus could have preached to the whole village and had the same results happen. But I think it's amazing that he chose to use this woman. Actually, scratch that. We learned that he, in Jesus's mind, he didn't choose. He needed to go through Samaria because he needed to make sure that this woman, woman knew that she was loved. He knew what would happen when she was given her true identity and voice back. He crossed every physical, racial, cultural, and social barrier just to make sure that she felt loved. And we see through this story that Jesus was a social advocate by just bringing grace and love to um, a single person. This entire village was changed because Jesus had a personal relationship. And I believe that's the truth for us in this story, is that we're called to build personal relationships with other people, the people in our houses, classes, at our job, and the people who aren't in our circles and the people that we don't have anything in common with. And I know this isn't like a revolutionary concept, but if I'm being completely honest with myself, this isn't, this isn't easy for me. It's a really challenging thing to actually live out. So as I said a few times, I was an intern here last year, and that ended in the middle of June. Uh, and for the past seven weeks, I've been working at Tableau, and it's been um, amazing. It's an amazing company. It's voted like top 30 companies to work for. We get free food every day, free coffee, free snacks. Um, and whenever I'm talking to someone else on, in the company, they tell me how lucky I am to be on the team that I'm on. Uh, but if I'm being honest, these past seven weeks, I've struggled a lot with feeling lonely at this great company. Um, it's, it was hard for me to transition from a place like here where I'm known so well with so many good friends to a place where I'm a new person and it seems like everybody already has their friend groups. Um, and for me, it's, it's hard to be the first person to reach out and try to get to know the people around me at work. I feel, I feel just nervous that they're too busy with whatever they're working on, and I'm just going to be annoying them if I try to talk to them. Or I, I feel really insecure, because what if we do start talking and they think I'm weird or awkward? And most of the time, if i being honest again, I just feel tired, and I don't want to exert the energy of actually getting to know someone and like listen to them. I mean, it literally happened yesterday for me. I was feeling like mentally and physically exhausted. I'd woke up early, stayed up late, just doing the work grind, whatever. Um, and I went down to go get lunch. And I made eye contact with this other, or an intern at my work. And it was one of those things where like, we made eye contact, smiled, and I could have like sat down and ate with them. But I turned the other way and sat by myself because I was tired and I didn't want to exert the energy of trying to connect and engage with someone. But what I think is so amazing and convicting for me in this passage is the phrase in uh, verse 6, which I think is the next one, uh, right up there. Jesus, worn out by the trip. Jesus had been walking in a hot desert for who knows how long, so it makes sense that he seems exhausted and worn out. If anyone had an excuse not to talk to anyone, it was him. But right after, it talks about how tired he is. It says that a woman came up to the well. 
And Jesus didn't ignore her and he didn't turn around or like look somewhere else. He asked her a question. To be known is to be loved and to be loved is to be known. And when we understand the necessity of making another person feel known with the love of Jesus, radical and surprising things will happen. And we get to be a part of Jesus bringing this kingdom to this earth. Um, Would you guys pray with me? Dear Jesus, um, we thank you for the ways that you've broken through so many walls. Um, We thank you for seeing us as who we are and not by labels or by our um, past and mistakes or by any of our circumstances, but just seeing us for who we are. Uh, I pray that as we go out into the week that you would bless us um, just with the truth that we are known by you and we are loved by you. And I pray that we would feel encouraged enough to go out and love on others. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen.